All right, we're back. Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Baseball time. Seattle U coming in this weekend, getting started. It's going to be fun. Bronny's with me to uh, start off the hour. Jim Schlossnagel in studio with us. Coach, how are you? Doing well. Good to be here. Yeah, man. We're, we're excited to have you. So it gets real, right, real quick. Yeah. Uh, just uh, your, your emotions, your feelings as we get to, what, four days away from starting five days away. Yeah, just I think our team's really ready to play. There's no doubt about that, especially it's an older group of guys. Uh, I felt like after the first two weeks of spring practice, it's my job to get the horses to the gate feeling great, you know, about themselves and feeling their bodies and all that kind of stuff. So we're ready to go. Um, just praying for some good weather and make it to Friday. I'm really interested to see how you manage. Obviously, the guys coming back, they're going to get there at bats. But having gone out there and watched y'all inner squad so much, like, is there a plan to manage the at bats of Caden Kent? Casey Well, some of these guys, Tab Tracy, that have really kind of surged uh, to get ready for the spring. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I don't know that there's a defined plan, mm-hmm. but you know that we, we have to get those guys enough at bats to, number one, continue to develop them, uh, but also have them ready, you know, when there's an injury, which there usually is, mm-hmm. um, but to also develop our program. So the challenge in that is, Every at-bat you give one person, you give somebody else one less. And we only play four games a week with the exception of one week where we have five. So, um, And you got, got to win the games. Right. And not that playing those guys gives us any less chance of winning the games. Um, but those, you know, when pe- people always say, well, in the midweek games, you can let these guys play. Well, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that in general because I, I don't want Austin Bose going five days without game at-bats, mm-hmm. right? Um, or Brett Minnick sitting out for four or five days and not seeing live pitching. So <clears throat> we'll manage our way through it. It always seems to work itself out. Uh, when, every Wednesday uh, we have simulated games um, with, for the pitchers that haven't pitched and for the position players that need at-bats, and we treat those, we chart them, we video them, mm-hmm. uh, and we try to make those as competitive as possible. But, uh, but, there's, but you're right. I mean, that at least to start the season after the first nine or ten guys, that 11th, 12th position player, you know, we're going to be looking for opportunities to get him in there, um, uh, at, at, you know, depending on the matchups and, and on each individual day. Well, yeah, and I think, too, going back to last season, like Jordan Thompson was that guy. He was probably your 11th position player going into the year, and what a huge role he played. And then you go out there, and if, if people have been going to watch y'all scrimmage, you've, I've noticed Ryan Pargotch bouncing around to multiple different positions. Kind of what is your expectation for him on defense? Is he Can he play anywhere just about? And will he be a spell guy? Yeah, he'll be a guy that, that would, if, if your previous question, if there's some sort of rotation, you know, where, okay, th- one day a week he's going to play second base. One yeah. day a week he may play first base. Um, third, you know, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Targots is a guy that, He's going to be DH and he's going to be playing it. And I can see Caden being, being a part of that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then on the mound, man, I, I'm so – it's so crazy to watch the evolution in one year of the pitching staff since you've been here. The floor is much higher. Is the, Are there guys that have really produced over the last couple of weeks that have forced their way into innings this spring? I would say um, – I always want to call him Carson Palmer. But it's, it's Lambert, you know, because he came from SC. Literally, it comes in my mind all the time, getting old. <clears throat> but I would say, uh, you know, Lambert for sure has mm-hmm. – he's really earned the right to pitch. I mean, Lampkin, which we've talked, you and I have talked about many, many times. Wyatt Tucker's made a big jump. Um, he's a guy that, 
you know, we'll see how the other guys throw. He's a guy that I can see, especially when we have the fifth game a week, mm-hmm. getting a start, unless we've used him before then. But he's really come on, has been a more consistent strike thrower. Uh, Sadeo, for sure. Hogan's pitching way better now than he did this time last year. Uh, velocity is ticked up just a little bit, which is not that big a deal for him. It's more about just getting his fastball over the plate because he's a breaking ball pitcher, so mm-hmm. just to keep people off his breaking ball. So, yeah, there, there are some guys, um, but we have to go play the games. And, and the, you know, the, the starting pitchers will be on shorter pitch counts, um, especially Detmer uh, on Friday night. So there's going to be innings, innings to be had, right? Mm-hmm. And as, as we get deeper into the season, depending on how the starting pitchers do, then there's fewer innings to be had. And so we'll see how, how the guys perform. The guys that pitch the best pitch the most, period. Yep. Well, and Saturday <clears throat> out there, and it was a pretty good crowd, I thought, after mm-hmm. the alumni game. And what a great weekend the event on Saturday night was awesome. I know Hutch takes kind of the reins on that. He did such a great job. But if they're out there watching Saturday, Chris Cortez kind of got roughed up, as you can, with this lineup that you're going to put on the field. But just your overall thoughts on Chris's progression and getting ready for the season to, to enter that Saturday Saturday role. I think he's progressed great. you know. And just because he's progressed doesn't mean he's not going to have a, a bad day. Right. Right? And, and I told him, I said, listen, you don't need to feel bad about that for two seconds. There's going to be times during the year where you have a bad day. Every Detmer's going to have a bad day. And in those days, it's my job to go take the ball out of their hand mm-hmm. and move to the next guy. And what you saw on Saturday is I'm not going to take the ball out of his hand. We're going to roll the inning because we're trying to get him to 75, 80 pitches. Mm-hmm. And so he's ready to go do that next weekend. Um, but his progression is great. He threw, you, know, you were there. He threw some really good change-ups for strikes, threw some really good breaking balls for strikes, but he didn't throw enough. And against our lineup, if you're not going to fill the strike zone up, we're not swinging. Yeah. And then the compounding effect of, the, of those at-bats then leads to, oh, you finally make a bad pitch, and then it gets hit for extra bases, right? So you, you're going to get bloodied against this lineup. Yeah. If, if you fill the strike zone up with good pitches, good pitching beats good hitting every day. But if you're not going to fill the strike zone up, uh, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, you got anything? Yeah, I was going to ask about Brent Mendick. He's brought him up several times. How much size and strength he's he's put on? Have you seen difference in his play because of it? Hundred um, percent. Number one, he's just moving better. So plays that you know he's making plays in the outfield that uh, that he didn't make for us last year because he literally couldn't move. Um, and I think you'll see that one. Bronny and I talked about this in the game the other day. Is outfield defense is going to be a little bit. You know, everybody out there is at least as good as last year, if not better or faster. Um, now, like I also told him, I'd take Dylan Rock back with the 19 homers. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's moving well. He's staying on the baseball. Um, again, it's against our pitchers. Uh, sometimes there's a, well, not sometimes, there's a fact that there's a comfort level with, for the hitters with our pitching because they see him every day. Right. Right? And there is, you can, they know this guy to report. They know what they're, they know what pitches they can hit and what pitches they can lay off. So when you play an opponent, you don't have that level of comfort in knowing the other team's pitcher. So um, let's wait and see how it goes. But Brett's doing a good job of, you know, most of his, all of his extra base hits, I think with the exception of one, have been the left field. And so when you start, I think the other day, we probably had six or seven or eight what extra base hits that were hit to the opposite field. Uh, uh, Tr- Chestnut hitting a homer in the right field. Uh, Warner hitting a ground rule double to right field. Jace, of course, hits them all over the place. But um, but when you see that kind of staying on the baseball, really makes it tough for a pitcher. What have your conversations been in the lead up to the season with Jace Lavalette? Because he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. 
I had Mike early in here to do our preseason interview, and he said, like, just the physical nature of him and his natural kind of ability to get the ball in the air because he hits it so hard, when he hits it, the ball goes out of the ballpark. So, like, managing his talent, his expectation level with what's about to hit him in the face in this conference and, and playing a, a college baseball season, how's that gone? It's gone great. You know, I think, uh, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of conversation with him because the game itself has told him. There's days like yesterday where I think he had three hits, uh, three or four hits, and then there's days he's punched out three times. And that's, we're going to have to ride that, you know, and you ride that with any, you, you ride out the slumps of your most talented players most most of the time. So um, there may be days where we give him a day off or something like that, but for the most part, you know, he's going to be a typical freshman that is going to show you flashes of brilliance. Um, but in this conference, I mean, there have been guys, Dylan Cruz at LSU, Jace is certainly capable of going out and being a all-conference player as a freshman. But um, it's there's going to be it's going to be a learning process, and we're going to have to ride through some things. So, you know, um, Babe Ruth died a long time ago, so let's, we need to temper the expectation and just let him be a good young player and develop. And the Sunday starter role, have you decided on that? Are you ready to make an announcement on that, or? Is it still kind of between Wanting, Lampkin, or there's some guys vying for it? You know, I would say <clears throat> I haven't fully decided, but it's I'm pretty sure it's going to be some combination of Detmer, Cortez, and Wanting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin has certainly des- deserves the right to start to start a game. More than likely, that would be the first midweek game mm-hmm. of the year. Um, but what order that goes in, haven't really decided yet. Want to see how they feel uh, after the weekend, but um, those would probably be the four starters. Yeah. What does last year's success do for this year's team? And I know each year's its own unique opportunities and challenges, but just knowing that the core group did that and the pressure of doing it this year. I don't think there's any pressure. I think great players, especially our group, they run toward expectation, not away from it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the experience gives you confidence, but it doesn't. you can't assume anything. Right, the past never equals the future, one way or the other. If it did, Mississippi State would have been back in Omaha last year. So, um, so many things, you know. Uh, in, in this conference, health determines everything. If we, if somebody, hey, if you could have one thing the whole season, what would you want? Healthy players. If our guys stay healthy, I love them to death. They're an awesome group of dudes. Um, they're fun to be around every single day. They work their rear ends off. They're big and strong. And they're experienced. It's one to be healthy. And if they're healthy, then, you know, the baseball gods will take care of everything else. Um, so I don't, you know, this, this is a program that we should be in those conversations, you know, most of, most of the years, unless you have some big fall off because of the draft or something like that. But, um, but no, they're, they're not afraid of that. They're, they're ready to go. I, I can't let you get out of here without talking about just the catching position and kind of where that's at. And, I mean, what an incredible impression Max Coffers made coming in as a 17-year-old. Really, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, number one, I've never had a guy graduate early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I know you guys have had Claunch on here, and, and you and I have talked about it. His mentality alone, regardless of what happens on the baseball field, is so impressive. And I think it's, you know, he's been away from home for two years, you know, living in, in Florida, going to, going to IMG, and he's coming into the perfect group of guys to help somebody transition when you – you have all those older players that can put their arm around them, including the other cat. You know, even though Bard and Gregson are new, but they're still older players. Mm-hmm. And and those guys work together. They're going to have you know, only one can play at a time. Um, 
Max will certainly be a part of that, but so will the other two. Hanks, Hanks made massive strides as a defender. Um, he can really stay on the baseball as a left-handed hitter, and they, they all bring something different. J.D., uh, you know, he's a tooled out, he's like a Logan Britt. Like if he just touches the ball, kind of like Jace, if he just touches it, it's 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, but he's got to command the strike zone better. He's an elite defender. Um, so we're going to need all three of them. Jim, I, I got to ask you about the vibe around campus because you got basketball playing great. You you talked about stopping by softball just uh, and you guys are starting here on Friday. Yeah, excited and just um, obviously I love I'm a, it's I'm a huge college basketball fan. So um, Wednesday will probably be the last game I get to go to against Arkansas. Um, but that's you know at a, at a place like this you have champions all over the place and and high level commitment to excellence in every sport and so. You know, winning breeds winning across an entire athletic department. I've been around it at TCU, um, and we obviously have that here in spades, so it's exciting. Thank you for coming by, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're looking forward to Friday. I'll be there. Yep, I I bet you will. (laughs) At least to start. I'm always there at the start of the game. (laughs) All right, we'll hit a break here. We'll come back. It's Tech Radio. I'm going to give them that two four. All right, we're back. Tex-Ax Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. A little follow-up to uh, our conversation with Coach Schlossnagel here. Bronny's still with us in studio. We'll have a little bit of a segment here, then we'll hit a break. We'll come back uh, at 9.45, a little bit later on in the hour with Buzz Williams. So a lot of coach talk here in this first hour. Or you got a date hour. today? Do I have a date? Yeah. With my banker. Oh, do you really? No, I'm kidding. No, well, you're dressed like you're about to go to a meeting with a every, banker. Every once in a while, like instead of wearing a T-shirt. Did and, like, Dalton get you on this? No, because Dalton's doing this thing now, where he he says once a week I want to wear nice clothes and comb my hair. Well, I comb my hair every day, and I think I've said it on this show many times. I feel like sometimes we have to act like we're a TV show. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we got to act like. So a TV this show. is ABC thirteen, David. No, this is a shirt that Elizabeth got me for Christmas that I hadn't worn yet. And I'm like, all right, I'll just. Wear That's it. it. You hear that, Kay? That was two months ago. No, no. She said, I bought you this shirt for Christmas, and you haven't worn it yet. Didn't say, mention a word. Okay. Didn't, not even. Not I, even thought she, uh, I don't even know if she knows that she got me this, to be guilted honest with you. Oh, she doesn't know. No, I don't Christmas even know. Bronnie, maybe you should partake in the in the dress-up. I think we should have, on. like, a Monday dress-up day from now on. Like, everybody wears, I like. I don't agree with that. Why? Because I'm on Mondays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You exactly. do it on a Tuesday where I'm not coming on. No, I'm fine but, with it. Okay, how about we do it on Wednesdays? No, I'm coming on. Current country. Come on. Version. We should like all like, I'm not saying tuxedo. What about recruiting country dressed up as country boys? I'll do that. I don't know if I have the clothes for it. That's what I'm saying. You have a dress shirt. Yes, you do. Right. But you need like some cut off sleeves, not the ones that are hemmed. You know, that you wear to the gym. I don't have. Oh, I do that. Yeah. How many times have you seen me wear a sleeveless shirt? Once I've probably worn more than you, but mine are cut off. Right? Lou, Louis says we talk fitness all the time on the show. So okay, is he does he make decisions on what he gets, does? He right? does. He does. But so I don't think I, I wasn't talking about fitness either. I was talking about attire. Well, but sleeveless shirt only at the gym, okay. and that was like once. Did you were you even there that day? I don't know, but we need to get you a trucker hat, a cowboy hat. I'm in. All right, and then you wear rapper clothes. Have you ever? Dips? We'll do that. Well, hold on, that's not country. No, we'll we'll switch roles. That's fine. Whatever. Have you ever uh, dipped snuff? Never. No. No. Chewed tobacco? No. Okay. God, no. Never had a cigarette. I haven't, e- I haven't either. Like, I, I chewed one time when I was in high school during baseball. I didn't like it, so I never dipped or anything, but I was just wondering. I, I, I didn't know, you know. 
I haven't Haley. always been super health conscious, but I've never done that ever. Not even close. Okay, have you ever dipped? No. Okay. Do girls Absolutely do that? Absolutely not. Some yeah. do. No. I, there's people. I want to call, I'm not calling anybody out. I dated a girl in high school that when we broke up, she started dipping. What? That's not. Girls don't do that now. That's not a popular. She's from to the do. country. Well, from hey, what I know. All right, so she got no city girl like Kay. It's it is very hard to replicate replicate the success that they had last year, baseball wise, right? But sitting here today on February the thirteenth, the day before Valentine's, right? How how like how optimistic are you? I'm not saying go all the way to the end of the college world. I'm just saying like how good of a team does a And have in your eyes today? Uh, I called Billy on Saturday night after going to the scrimmage and told him this. And you say it with understanding that a million things, there are a million things at stake here uh, and that could have influence on the outcome of the season. This Texas A&M baseball team is good enough to win the national championship. No doubt in my mind. What they did on Saturday, it was super, like it was so good, man. They're super impressive. They've gotten so much better defensively. There's enough depth on the mound, and then obviously the lineup, the, the the batting order is going to be as talented as any in the country. And they are good enough. Like there's a threshold, right? To start last year, Ole Miss clearly was good enough to win the national championship. Where were they ranked preseason? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't know. Number one. They were, last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were ranked number one to start the year, right? And they – for whatever reason, I'm, I'm sure if you had an Ole Miss analyst on, they could tell you about some things that may have happened that caused them to not me. to play to their potential. Yep. But they got into the postseason, and they were still that same talented team, and they figured it out and put it together. They won the national championship. So there's a talent threshold that you have to have to win a national championship. There's been some outliers to that, you know, Coastal Carolina. But if you go back and you look at College World Series champions, they're ex- supremely talented teams with a lot of players that will play a long time in professional baseball, that's what this team has. And they're veteran, they're accomplished, they're experienced, they're tough kids. We know they're tough kids. Um, he, We've kind of talked about on the show, I'm glad you brought up Brett Minnick with Coach Schlossnagel. Do you realize what he played through last year? Like people don't, not only do they not play through that, they sit out entire seasons right. with what he had. He played every day with it. So Ryan Targach played every day on a really bad heel-ankle situation. So we know they're tough, right? We know they're selfless because go back and look what Austin Bose did last year, and now he's wearing the number 12, right? We, we know they're tough. Look what Trevor Werner went through last year and mm-hmm. bounced back. So they've got it all. There's just – you can never say – you can never predict, I think, in college baseball that a team is going to win the national championship because – Look at Tennessee last year. How talented were they? The Arkansas team, when they, they went to the finals and they dropped the pop-up in foul territory, and then Oregon State rallied. and like, So you can get all the way there and get the pop-up you need to win the title, and it, it just so happens to be hit in an awkward area of the field, and you don't get anybody there to catch it. right? So like, there's all kind of factors at play in the game of baseball. But when you're looking at teams that are good enough to win the national championship – Texas A&M will be on your list this year. Yeah, th- there's no doubt about that. And, I, and I'm glad you brought up um, that I brought up Brett Minnick because I didn't know about the speed part of it, like how much better his I'll, defense is going to be. Because he looks like a million bucks. You want to talk about 
weight room and gym talk on here. I'm, Brett Mick could probably come in here and talk your ear off, but based off what he's been through, and I am trying to get Jeremy McMillan in to do a preseason interview, the strength and conditioning coach. So he's bigger, but also much, faster. He's much bigger and much faster. Which doesn't always happen. Right, and he's hitting the ball out. He's hitting the ball all over the field. He had a home run on Saturday to the opposite field. He, he's a different player. And everybody on the coaching staff will tell you Brett Minnick's a different player than he was last year. And that's a good. That's why he came back, right? You know, so uh, you're you're hoping you get a, a better version of Brett because he's healthy. You're hoping you get a better version of Trevor because he's healthy. You know, uh, Trevor got hurt so early too. What was it like the third weekend? When it was, was it? in Frisco. In Frisco, wasn't that? Yeah, it was, was in Frisco it, was it, was last Frisco year or yeah. the week before that. Here, well, oh, he had an oblique the first weekend, yeah. and then when he came back, it was Frisco, and that's when he broke his hamate bone. So yeah, just unfortunate there. Look, and a, a kid we haven't talked about enough is Hunter Haas. And I believe he's going to open the year as your starting shortstop and probably hit leadoff. He has been really, really impressive. His all-around game. Uh, we love what Cole Kaler did last year. And nice graphic, Nick. If you're, I guess if you're watching this on TV. This is good TV yeah. graphic. But if you're listening on radio, that does nothing for you. Nick's got a uh, projected, projected lineup that I'd put out a, a few weeks ago, and I, I do think that. What I have down is pretty close. Uh, it could be some it, little one or two changes. There, right. right. And I, I think the catching position yeah. is really a question mark. Who's going to get the nod on opening night? I think the order, you know, they moved Jordan Thompson up because he's been so productive, not only last year, but even in the buildup to this year. Do you keep him in the nine hole where he was so good? But to go back, Hunter Haas, he's right there at the top of the order at shortstop. He has been um, really just all around solid as solid and I'm trying to think of a comparison maybe to somebody else on campus that you're like hey you know maybe not the best player on the team but just really solid Dexter Dennis yeah you know solid solid. count on him right every day and he's been that way and he's had to be because Caden Ken at shortstop is really pushing him behind him uh, to get on the field competition breeds excellence right the the catching position coach mentioned it uh, all three of them are kind of still battling it out they might go Max Coffer to open the season. I mean, that's how impressive that kid's been uh, with everything he's done. And that would be, on a team full of veterans and so much experience, one of the bigger storylines so far has been the emergence of this 17-year-old kid who should be a senior in high school. And I think he's going to play, and I think he's going to play a lot. Jace is a guy that we talk about a lot because of his expectations and what he's been able to do. But I feel like he's sustained – from all your practice reports, I mean, he he has to be in the lineup because he's been that good. Yeah, he's going to play. He's going to start in left field. Where he hits in the order, I don't know. I, I know at one point they were, they've even talked about hitting Hunter Haas fourth because of his high contact rate and the ability of Werner, Moss, and Bose to get on base. But I think you're going to see a more traditional lineup with Haas at the top. And Jace, Jace is talented enough and skilled enough to to be the cleanup hitter on this year's roster. I don't know that he'll start the season there. I imagine he, they're going to start him behind all those guys, kind of let him watch as much as he can, how these guys go about their processes in, in, in real games. But he has just been – he's been as advertised from a talent perspective, and he keeps getting better from a day-to-day player, college player perspective. And – I don't think people understand. Like, he's six foot six. He's two hundred and thirty pounds. He's the third fastest guy on the team. 
He's an elite runner. He's an elite defender in the outfield. He's going to hit balls this year. Like people are going to come to the ballpark to watch Jace take batting practice. Like that's how impressive what he does in the batter's box is. But you have to understand he's still a kid. And there's going to be some ups and downs and growing pains. But if he as the season goes on and as he starts figuring this stuff out, you know, you may who knows? He he may against some of these lower level pitching come out of the gates like but ball of fire. He's protected by the other guys he in the is. lineup too. He is. And, and not only is he protected in the lineup. He's protected in the dugout in the clubhouse because they're going to pat him on the butt and say, hey, dude, we've been there. Yep. Just keep going. Trust your processes and keep going. Because literally, David, there's, there's a lot of guys on this team that could do that. But Jace is so talented that he could carry them to series wins in the SEC with his bat. Like, there's going to be weeks, I bet, there's going to be weeks where he hits five or six homers in a week and has a five or six RBI game in that span where he wins the game for you because of his offensive production. Now, he also may have weeks where he doesn't sniff it, and he's had some really tough trips to the plate, and they've got scouting reports out on him, and they're figuring him out, and that's when they need everybody in the dugout to kind of pull him along and say, hey, you're okay, keep going. All right, we got to hit a break here. Thank you, Bronny. Yep. Appreciate you. Right now we're talking about the Association of Former Students who have been around for a long time, over 140 years. And uh, you know the Aggie Network. They take care of Aggies. That's what we do. And the Association of Former Students is the pioneer, the leader when it comes to all that because they give back to not only current students, former students, you name it. That's what they want to do. And they do it for you. Uh, that is why they've created IamTheWhy.com, which is a website with a collection of stories about Aggies, their time at A&M, their lens, their perspective, and everything that A&M means to them. It's a great place to go and just feel the heart of Aggieland and to see it and to feel it. IamTheWhy.com is the website, and you can upload your story as well. See these unique stories and these unique perspectives, and then tell the world about yours. You know, Tell about your time at A&M, some of the great stories and adventures you've gone through because of the Aggie Network, because of being an Aggie. The website is IamTheWhy.com. IamTheWhy.com, the association of former students. Well, I was Tech Sags Radio, Montgomery. presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance right. Studio. So we'll have Buzz on the show here momentarily. What? How blessed are we here on Tech Sags on Monday mornings to have both Schloss and Buzz uh, talking here on the 9 o'clock hour. Just uh, appointment listening throughout the rest of basketball and baseball season. Don't miss that. Schloss going to be joining us two days a week, by the way. He'll be joining us on Mondays and Thursdays. And the big shooter will be with us here on uh, a Thursday to t- uh, chit-chat with uh, Coach Schloss Nagel here. All right, uh, something I wanted to get into as we get closer to talking to Buzz Williams here in about, I don't know, seven minutes or so, is the fact that this A&M basketball team's got something that you can't teach that is uh, it, it's pretty cool to see Happen. I have never been a fan of teams that don't have go-to guys. And I know that A&M basketball has a go-to guy in boots, and last year, Q emerged, right? But I've never been a fan of, like, there should, like in my mind, it's always like, who's your guy you go to in crunch time? And I think this team has that in boots. Like, that is their go-to guy. But what it also has is the ability to have a guy that, let's say, boots is not having his best performance, right? And if that is the case... Ability for other people to step up and do what they do. So we saw that, you know, after Wade Taylor had struggled for the last couple of weeks and he had really struggled shooting the ball and having some turnovers, he dominated. OB said he should win the SEC Offensive Player of the Week or Player of the Week. He should. I mean, those numbers were, were fantastic that he put up. What was it 22 and a half points in the two games combined or 21 and a half? Whatever it was. The bottom line is Wade Taylor stepped up when he had to. And we've seen that throughout the year where if it's Julius Marble who will step up and lead the way when they take something out. 
And they'll also you'll also see Henry Coleman step up when um, there is a, a game where they take out uh, Julius Marble because of foul trouble, or they take out Wade Taylor, or they take out Boots. Somebody on in this lineup seems to step up, and that is a beautiful skill to have and something that I think should go a long way, especially in determining postseason success. Because when you get to the postseason, there's so much more film, and these guys, and I'm talking about SEC postseason, Look, let's just get ourselves in the tournament first and where the SEC tournament doesn't really matter. You win a game, you move on, and and whatever happens after that is great. But all that being said is when they start taking things out of you, right? they start taking things out of your game, the ability to have somebody else deliver, and that's what this A&M team has. If you take Julius Marlboro out, it seems like Henry Coleman's going to step up and slide in. If you take out Boots Radford, it looks like Wade Taylor's going to come in. And by the way, the glue guys on this team, enough can't be said about them. So um, we will certainly talk about that. Chuck Martin on the A&B text line. Nuno, thanks for covering A&M Rugby. They had a big weekend. In fact, um, I'm going to get some details on their next game, but they keep shutting out opponents. So congratulations to uh, A&M Rugby. Right now we're talking about Fargo's Pit Barbecue. So I had a friend text the show a little while ago. And uh, he was telling us about his, uh, Al, excuse me, he was in town from Denton, and uh, he was in town for the soccer tournament, which we were at, and uh, they stopped by Fargo's. They took the whole team to Fargo's because they heard it here on Texax. Fargo's is that good. you got to jump on it. Uh, the specials are great. The food is delicious. And uh, it's just a, it's been a, a place here, a staple in the Brazos Valley for a long, long time. People have been coming here because they know the food is great. Um, one of the top 50 barbecue joints in the entire world that according to Texas Monthly. Go check it out there in Bryan, 1701 South Texas Avenue in Bryan. The food is great, uh, and they have specials. They're closed today because they got to rest up and get ready, get that food pre- prepared for tomorrow. But I will tell you, tomorrow, the rib tips only offered on Tuesdays and Saturdays. I bet you the, uh, the soccer team that was in town took advantage of that. Once they're gone, they are gone. On Wednesday, uh, they've got great food as well, chopped beef on a baked potato, um, and the beef ribs as well. They're at 1701 South Texas Avenue in Bryan. Without a doubt, the best barbecue in town. That's the trademark because it's true. It is Fargo's. Apologies taking so long getting back. Billy and I were chatting, uh, getting ready for uh, this interview with Buzz Williams, the Aggie basketball. Looking pretty good against LSU. Let's talk about that and uh, break it all down here on the program. It is Texags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. We go to the hotline. Buzz Williams with us. Buzz, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Hey, so, Buzz, when you have a an early lead the way you guys did against LSU, and we've seen several different ways, what kind of challenges come with that, especially in the second half after having such a comfortable lead and what other teams try to do? Well, I think there's a lot of answers to that. I think it probably depends on where your team's at and what you're trying to do where you're at during the season relative to that. Um, <clears throat> we were not very mature in how we handled. I think we were up 30 in the first half. And then um, maybe the last two and a half, three minutes of the first half, I think they scored two baskets. And then the first 10-ish minutes, 12-ish minutes of the second half, they outscored us 19. Um so we weren't very mature in how we handled that. Um, trying to play a little bit different minutes, a little bit, um, relative to the next three weeks of the season. But for what we're trying to accomplish, uh, we do have to mature on handling a lead like that. I think some of it is 
you're a little caught off guard uh, and then trying to have enough wisdom to go what's required of me in this moment regardless of the score. Buzz, what's up, man? Congratulations again. Uh, Thank you. You guys, yeah, no, of course. And, and to look up and see that score, you're watching the game and it just – to go on the road and do that a couple times now in SEC play, yeah. and uh, your your one SEC or your two SEC road loss is also competitive, and we know the circumstances around Arkansas, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Getting them back at Reed, yeah. but you guys to to go on the road and and handle business in the SEC that way, and I know, like you said, you you let that lead get away in the second half a little bit, but what is it about the? What does it tell you about a team's? maturity and mindset to yeah to start the games like that because yeah we saw right. it this weekend everywhere in the sec on the road uh you're ripe for an upset if you go in there as a as a heavy favorite it seems like yeah i think that um our staff luch has done a really good job of the adjustments required from our base foundation specific to that opponent and we yeah. count reps in our program. And depending upon when the games are, depends upon how many reps you get. And um, the leaders of our team uh, have asked me about three weeks ago, Coach, we're so much better when the game is our fourth rep. And I go, yeah. I agree. I said, uh, we watch, we write, we walk through the adjustments before our first rep. Then we have our first rep. Obviously, the next day is our second rep. Shoot around is our third rep. And then the game is the fourth rep. But depending upon when our off day is, and is yeah. that week, are we playing Wednesday, Saturday, or Tuesday, Saturday? I thought it was really good uh, insight to our group that brought that to me. Coach, how can we get to four reps with the fourth rep being at the game time? no matter when we yeah. play. And I go, I got some ideas on it, but we'll have to alternate kind of how we go about it. And so we made that change. We're going into our third week of that. And I think the staff's ability to diagnose distinctly, hey, guys, this is what we're doing, and then explain this is why we're doing it. Let's watch it. Let's write it down. Let's walk through it. And that doesn't count as a rep. That's just so you understand why we're doing it. And now let's try to get to four reps. And our team has completely bought in. And, you know, like, in the first half, and I don't want to coach anybody else's team, but all yeah. the things that we were prepared for in the first half, we were executing at a very high level to the point that they quit doing it because we were just taking them out of their stuff. And yeah. uh, that speaks to the concentration level and the execution level of our group. And uh, to, to my first response, yeah, okay, hey, Buzz, when you get up 30, uh, try to win by 40. I, I, yes, yes, I understand, and we can talk about those things, but yeah. not upset at all. I kind of agree with you. Hey, now, can we talk about how you got up 30? Um, yeah, it's you don't want to lose the lead. Yes, I understand, but like, there's two sides of the coin, and I think uh, over the last two and a half weeks, our guys have really grown in traction in that regard. And 
So like today will be our first rep of Arkansas. And so we've got to hurry up and get to four before game time on Wednesday night. Buzz, what is different with Wade these last couple of games? He had a little stretch where he was struggling. He certainly wasn't struggling this past week. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing that I would say on that, and I mentioned it to him in the first half during that ATO, and I thought Solo had some of that same growth and maturity in a different way. Um, they're as good as four was playing. He still played with great discipline relative to what was the time score momentum of the game. There were several times in the first half where he could have shot it and statistically it would have, the odds would have been he was going to make it because he was playing so well, but he, he turned down what would have been a good shot and got us into offense and turned it into a great shot. And I think that's a delicate line with four. And I've talked about it publicly and obviously I talk about it with him all the time. because He's one of my favorites ever, but it's a delicate line. Hey, four, you are, you have the ability to score in a myriad of ways. And sometimes we need you to take one that I would say is a bad shot at a coaching clinic. But we don't need you to take <laughs> two of those. But I need you to know when the one is that I need to look the other way. Because that's kind of part of the line that he walks. And some of the same things are true defensively for him even though it doesn't always show up statistically. Like, he took that ball away from the kid right in front of their bench, and that was a reach. And you don't want your guys to reach. Typically, reaches lead to fouls and or blow-bys. But there's, it's, it's kind of like at DePaul. You know, he had four steals against DePaul, and three of the four were not what you would want at a coaching clinic. But he kind of has that line where – he kind of has a feel for this is the one, Buzz. This is the one. And and he gets more grace on that than any other player in our program. And our players recognize that, but they also agree. Like, yeah, for I can't shoot that one, but if you think that's the one you should shoot, you shoot it. Because Buzz is going to take me out if I shoot it. But, but like, that's a, that's a delicate line. And because Ford is such a good human being, I think he walks that line with great humility. Buzz, I, I know how meticulous you are, you know, in, in really, and I think people realize this, but every aspect of your life, but I would imagine that is mag. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you need to coach me up on that. You know that, but maybe tenfold, I would assume when it comes to deciding who you're going to welcome into your program, AKA recruiting. Um, is there anybody playing this year? as we're about, what, three-quarters of the way through the regular season, is there anybody that has even surprised you, that, that you've gotten more out of in, in 2022, 2023 than, than you expected when you brought him in? Yeah, I think Andy is sneaky good. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the transfer portal has become such commonplace in coaching speak. The, the one thing that I've learned from it is <clears throat> no matter how good a player and no matter how good your program is or you feel as though you are as a coach, there's still an adjustment. And that adjustment period, we've only ever talked about from a high school senior to a freshman. Hey, it's a yeah. big adjustment. Yeah, but there's an adjustment. Hey, I was a great player at XYZ. 
and I'm coming to ABC, and I'm going to be a great player. And that could, that could be the truth, but there's an adjustment. There's an adjustment to the people. There's an adjustment to the mode of operation. There's a, an adjustment to the style of play. There's an adjustment to the pace at which you work. There's an adjustment to how do you study film. There's an adjustment to how do you do skill work. Like every uh, adjustment academically, adjustment to who you live with. Even though they're two to three years older, it's still an adjustment. And I think over the last three games, you could argue that what Andy has done uh, has been a needle mover for our program. And I think that Solo, since he came back from the concussion, I did not think he was good against Georgia. You could tell he was a little out of sorts. I know he played a few mm-hmm. possessions the game before against Arkansas when we were having some trouble. But since Georgia, man, his impact has been really good. I, I, I thought he was as mature in front of his family as a college freshman playing in front of the home state team crowd. I thought he played with great aplomb. Like he was very mature in how he handled it. But uh, Andy and Solo as we've gotten into the second semester, they have really helped us in ways, whether it was foul trouble, whether it was, man, they're just playing really well. They're controlling the glass. Those, those guys, um, I think are one of us. They're OKGs. I think they accept that. They're very accepting of their role. Andy is the eighth most efficient player in the SEC and the top 25 players in the SEC are all starters. He's the only player in the top 25 in efficiency that comes off the bench. And if I told him he was starting, he wouldn't start. I'm not telling him that. But like, <laughs> he's very comfortable with his role. Yeah. Buzz, no no time to even talk about the Super Bowl. I wanted to talk to you about Andy Reid and Mahomes and that national uh, anthem. I study and... all of it. I study all Gosh. of it. And uh, that offensive coordinator from Philly who's getting a job with the Colts, you guys know Gus Bradley's my good friend, and uh, yep. I've studied him, and I think he's a star too. Okay. Both there you quarterbacks go. from Texas. East Andy Texas, Reed, no less, Andy right? Reed's going into his, Andy Reid's going into year 25 in the NFL next year. Can you it's imagine crazy. that? He's going to got his job at 40 and he's going to be 65. Wow. I think he's my favorite coach of my wow. football wow. watching life. And and how about how about he fired the head coach of the Eagles 6 years ago? How about That's that? That's right. 5 years God. ago. He hey, fired uh, Buzz, him. perseverance. Thank Stick you guys. to it. Have a good day. Thank you, All man. Right, we'll Buzz. see you on Wednesday. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that- you. Yeah, Wednesday night, man. That's going to be fun. It's going to be crazy. I, I, did, I actually did not know that about the firing because I watched about half that game without volume, you know, with people. Yeah, we got to hit a break. We'll see you in a bit. Stay excited.